Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Brandon Boyd, who is the founder of Vet and Pet SEO. Brandon helps veterinarians and vetrepreneurs implement and manage high return on investment marketing campaigns and strategy by using data analytics and creative content catered to pet owners. So with that, we're going to chat through marketing and a lot of other things throughout our conversation today. But first and foremost, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Isaiah, thank you for having me on. Look, I've been waiting for this conversation. I love talking to you and I'm ready to get into it if you are. Yeah, let's make it happen. So one of the interesting things, and I think most people that listen to the show have heard me say like in a previous conversation, typically I always want to meet someone if I don't know them before we record. So I get some good information and just get to know who they are as a person. So one of the things that really was interesting that struck me is your background of being a chemical engineer and then now kind of this marketing guru as well. How do you bridge that engineering mindset with like this creative side with marketing and just kind of your story and mission? I'd love to kick it off and start there. Well, so what I'll do, I will start with the middle and then I'll jump to the end and back to the beginning. So engineering is nothing but processes and systems, right? And chemical engineering is like a universal engineer. You got to know a little bit of electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. You obviously got to know chemistry. You got to know some physics. So you have to know the entire process and understand how that system goes together. And that type of system thinking, I call it engineering thing, but that type of system thinking works well with understanding marketing systems, not just understanding a particular subset of marketing, like just understanding Facebook ads and understanding Google PPC or just understanding SEO. It gives me an opportunity to understand the entire picture, to see where things connect together, to see what dials I need to turn on each individual platform in order to get the main result. Because at the end of the day, if you put a black box over all of marketing, what businesses want, what practices want is revenue that they put in equals to a higher revenue that they put out, which in turn is ROI, the return on investment. Right. And so they want to see the money that they go in come out in the form of with veterinarians, just new pet parents or sales of products and a return on investment that's greater than what they put in. You remove that black box. That's what this process in the system is. And as an engineer. That's what I see. That's what I notice. Now, where that goes with the creative side, I'm not going to say artist because I'm very particular with terms that describe professions and careers. I'm not an artist by any means, but I've always doodled. I always drew. I am a piano player. So that sparks creative thinking as well. I've always been in play. So that creative side of just being human, I'll put it like that, has always been within me. Marketing just gives me an ability to display that with my systems thinking because of an engineer. And that turned to me starting a marketing firm. And, and I like the term marketing engineer because it sort of like adds my engineering term to it. But yeah. Perfect. I appreciate that. And then we're going to go into more depth, but just so the audience kind of understands your current service offering. And I know we kind of talked about like the bundle of services, but your expertise today what does that touch? Like, what is the things that you do for vet hospitals that see that ROI? What are the actual things that you guys do? So I heard this term a couple of days ago, and I like the term. It's fractional CMO. So in essence, I would act as a fractional CMO. So I would see your entire picture of where your market is now. We would have a consult to see where your business wants to go and where marketing can help your business grow on that end. And then understand the systems that need to put into place. That's where my business, that's where Vet and Pet SEO comes in because we have both employees and contractors as well that are great at different aspects of the entire digital marketing picture. And we work together, we collaborate together to make sure that 
the service offering that we give you is the best. So just to give like a very quick breakdown, we could do your entire digital marketing system, which means all your advertising platforms that you want to advertise on, as well as website development, search engine optimization, both locally and just overall search engine optimization, review management, email sequences, which if you do email sequences right, is amazing for your business and probably the has the greatest ROI return. And then we also can do social media as well. And in general, just data analytics and amplification of what's already worked within your business to where if you want to reach new markets, we can use audiences that you've used in the past in order to test out if those audiences work in different areas, different neighborhoods. So something you said that I think builds on, and you didn't necessarily say it right there, but you mentioned it before, and it was something that caught my attention was scale what works. I love that idea. And you mentioned it, I think, a little bit in that last piece, but can you unpack that and talk a little bit about scaling what works? All right. So I'm going to take this in the terms of your analytics. If you've done your analytics right, Facebook analytics, Google analytics, if you use LinkedIn, TikTok advertising platforms, they have codes you put on your site that track the audiences. We know them as cookies, Facebook calls them pixels, but generally what they do, they gather all the metadata of the people that come to your site. And if you set attributions, they monitor those attributions as well. So if you think of a giant funnel, everyone that comes to your site at the very top, and then as it goes down as different attributions until you get to a sale, those are captured within the advertising platforms due to those pixels. Those particular audiences are considered your best buying audiences because they bought from you before. They've engaged with your content and they have looked at videos and passed it along to others that may like your content as well. That audience is a sector of your buying audience that you have to where if you want to advertise to other places, you use that particular audience to grow into bigger places. So just say if that audience is the size of a softball and you want to go to a basketball, you take that particular audience. You run advertising dollars to it and make sure that that audience is comparable to other subsets of people when you either expand your area or you want to move to a different location. And I'm saying different location just in case you're like a mobile vet or you have some type of pet product that's great locally and you want to expand to another area of the country or another area of your state or county. And you mentioned something about email sequences, which is something that personally, like from a Vincere perspective, we've looked at, we've tried to work on because email, I think is very much, like you said, a really good ROI. If you do it right, it can be tricky, but let's talk a little bit about email sequences and A, maybe what you've done or just thoughts in general, or maybe the best thing is what not to do <laughs> to protect yourself from making yourself look dumb. Because automation can be great, but then if you automate and you do it in a bad way, it really reflects poorly. Yeah. So generally what I've seen is 90% of the veterinarians have newsletters, right? But those newsletters are sent out once a month or once a quarter. And there's no other type of email communication except for buy this product that I have, or it's time for your shots, which is still a buy type of message. One of the best email sequences I have is from a company, Madonna Miller Story Brand. They send emails at least once a day, but out of those emails, only about one out of seven that I've counted thus far are a product sales email. The rest are just emails that are teaching you something, that's growing your knowledge base, that's building trustworthiness, that's building authoritativeness with that particular company. And that eases the chain hold on buying from them in the future because they already showed you that they're experts. They already showed you that they're authoritative and they've taught you enough to where you can make a great buying decision. And so 
implementing that into your business as well as veterinary practices is teach your pet parents about like new, let's use an example, this summertime, teach your pet parents about hay fever. Have a four or five email sequence with a two minute video that you're sending out you know, once a day, just teaching. Yes, they may not open every one, but they're open enough to where they feel comfortable with your emails. So you have your content. And I should have said this first, but I think it's a great place to say this now. Have a great headline. If you're thinking about copywriting and you're thinking about creating great headlines, think of like the National Enquirer, which is one of the biggest selling magazines ever. You go to them because they have great headlines. And those companies pay an arm and leg for headlines because headlines are the first thing that you see in the magazines, but translate that to email. That's the first thing you see in your email. So if you have a great headline, it'll make your clients click on the email and then you have great content as well. That's not always buy my product. And what about, so if I'm sitting here and I'm a veterinarian, I'm like, yeah, we do do the quarterly or monthly emails, but how many emails are too many? You talked about almost daily, or if I'm sending weekly, aren't people going to get ticked off and tell me, quit emailing me or unsubscribe or stop bugging me? So you just said it, right? A lot of the idea of marketing in general is just staying top of mind and just staying on the mind of the customers. And email has a great way to show if people love your emails or tired of them. And that's what you said, the unsubscribe button. If they unsubscribe from you, then they're tired of your emails, which it hurts your heart. But at the end of the day, those that unsubscribe from your emails, especially if they're not spammy and they're informative, are probably not your best clients anyway. And I can guarantee you, if you do a type of audit on client trouble with those that unsubscribe from your emails, they will probably overlap. So the fact that you may send an email a day, your email list doesn't shrink, shows that they're okay with your emails. And with email platforms now, they're you have a lot of tracking and metrics to see attribution on bounce rates, which goes to spam, which are open, which are unopened. So following those metrics, you'll know if your email is going to the spam folder, if the email is a bad email, if it's going into promotions, if you use if they have Gmail and things like that. So you'll be able to track where those emails are going. But if your spam rate doesn't increase, your bounce rate doesn't increase and your unsubscribe doesn't increase, then it's fine. Thinking about email topics and being creative. If I'm a veterinarian, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so busy already. How do I think of these ideas? Do you have any suggestions of how to think through good email topics or ideas of what to send and share? So one thing, and that's a good question, by the way. One thing that I have seen is veterinarians have great stories. They have great stories about the pets that come in, about even some trouble that they've had because of a pet. There's always a good story within the vet space. And every vet, if they've been a veterinarian for a year, probably have about 30 or 40 great stories that they can tell. Those stories would be great emails. And I know what we may get into this later, but if you curate your content properly, a veterinarian would probably only spend about an hour and a half a week of just creating content and having others cut it into different platforms and cut it into emails and use that as a sequence as well. Got it. No, I think that's a great suggestion. I love the idea of the stories. The other one that I would think of as you were talking is if you're answering the same thing over and over, trying to educate and explain, it's like, shoot, right there. That's smacking right in the face. Like, use that. That's an email. That's a content piece. So thinking about just taking a step back, because I want to get in the email piece, but it wasn't initially on my roadmap, which is part of how this podcast works, right? Like, I have <laughs> yeah. some questions. You say something really interesting. I'm like, ooh, let's go into that. So coming back, let's talk about average businesses and how, what they spend on marketing and then an average veterinary hospital and what they spend on marketing. Do you have any numbers or thoughts and, and what that looks like? 
So I looked this number up a couple of weeks ago, and it really bothered me when I saw this. The average vet clinic spends about 2% on marketing. And this is between the 500,000 mark and the 1.5 mark. That's a statistic that I saw. Going by the SBA numbers for businesses that size, it should be around 8% to 12%. And if they want to grow faster, it should be upwards of the 12% to 14% that they should allow spending. And this is revenue, not net, just revenue. So that's a statistic that really bothered me because that tells me that there's growth within the market just by spending more advertising dollars. But that also tells me, too, that they're probably not charging what their services are worth either. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And the reason I say that is the amount of advertising dollars you spend typically is based on the amount of profit that you get at the end of the year, because everyone thinks marketing is a luxury. As a marketer and you as a finance guy, you see marketing as a necessity for the entire business development process. But for some reason, marketing and spending money on advertising in the entire process is seen as a luxury. So if they're not spending a lot of money on marketing, that means that they're not bringing in as much profit as they should. Yeah, I think the idea of lower marketing spend and the potential for growth is an interesting angle. And the thought that I know I can hear people talking in their ear pods or in their car saying, well, I'm already booked out for months. I'm so freaking busy, Brandon. Why would I go and spend more on marketing when I already have more than I can do right now? Yeah. Well, the business cycle has ebbs and flows. And during the times of fasting is when people are just, you know, they have so much, well, not fasting, but feasting. During the time of feasting, that's when they have so much, they're full, they're just letting of their competition. In the time of famine, they wish that they had enough to last them through those famine cycles. And I say that by saying these six months that they may have booked out, Afterwards, it's going to regulate itself and, and, the, and the market is going to go back to normal, which means you're going to have open schedule, open days. You're going to have times where you wish that you were, were busy, but you're not. And those are the times where you're going to wish that you marketed more because marketing in times of feasting is about gaining market share and brand awareness and staying top of mind in clients' minds. Because typically during these times, very few people are advertising heavily. They're drawing back their marketing budget. Those that push their marketing budgets forward are gaining more recognition in the market. And when times of regulation comes, they're continuing to get a throughput of pet parents coming to their particular clinics and their hospitals. And it's just brand awareness. So a conversation I've had a lot in feedback and just conversations around recruiting and retention. And I just recorded a radio show not that long ago and talking about and thinking about marketing. I think it was almost in our discussion that we had offline around marketing to build a presence for attracting talent to you to work. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I do absolutely want to give you some credit because I think that was an awesome thing that you brought up. So I'll put it like this. There is an issue that I've been hearing that there's not enough vet nurses to fulfill the needs of clinics. And that is true. For those clinics that want to grow, advertising the best part of their services, as well as increasing, if they can afford it, increasing the salary rate will bring that talent to them. Let's throw some numbers out there. Let's say if you're hiring for $15 an hour for a vet tech, vet techs that are worth $20 an hour are not going to apply for that job. If you say this vet tech job is $21 an hour, 
guess what's going to happen? Everyone from $21 and down are going to apply for that job, which means your job pool, your talent pool increases. Now, how do you get that word out? You advertise for that. You show the great features of what your clinic will bring. You show the type of work that you do without being too gory, of course, but show the type of work that you do. And you show the experience of what a person in that position will be like. It's almost as if you're still marketing to the talent pool the same way as you market to the pet parents. You're still showing the greatness of your clinic, showing the greatness of your hospital, and you're showing what the benefits are. Yeah. I guess kind of switching gears on that and kind of putting a pin in that for the moment, thinking about, and you've talked about it and hit it a couple of times, but ROI, so return on investment marketing. Why is it so difficult for someone to say, okay, let's say I'm going to be the normal 2%, but they can't tell you what their return on what they're spending. They're like, I'm paying someone for this and I'm paying for doing this stuff, but they have no idea what's the return coming back. How do you help solve, I guess, the challenge of saying, okay, if I'm taking the revenue that I make, it goes through this little black box, right? Like again, the example, and it comes out, how do I know that it's going to come out and come out better? And how do I track that? So there are two ways that you can track that. First thing is become a monster in your mind when it comes to your data, your numbers, right? So know what your numbers are, know what your cost per keyword is. If you're using PPC, know what the cost of ad spend is. If you're using Facebook, understand the amount of hours that it takes for your search engine optimization. Be very intentional on asking your marketing provider what these numbers are, what the data analytics are, and become a master of your own numbers, right? That way you'll know at that 2% what's really going on. One thing that we do, we make sure that twice a month we go over the data. We let you know how much was spent. We let you know which campaigns worked. We let you know what the engagement was. If that's part of what you want to see, it's part of the attributions you want to see. We let you know how many people visit your site. If you're on your website, how many people clicked on certain buttons. And that data gives a background picture on what you can do in order to tweak your ROI a little bit. So an example, one client I have, that's only four pages on their website that people visit. And if you check the numbers, it's overwhelming that they check the homepage they go through the service area page, they go to the about us page, and then they go to just the services page. So that tells me that, okay, this is what your client base is looking for. So we're going to give them this. I know you have all this learning about traditional Chinese vet medicine, but people are not looking for that at this point. We have to build out campaigns for that particular service product for the future. But right now to bring dollars in the door to increase your ROI of the budget that you're spending, we have to increase the visitation that comes to these pages. We have to increase the amount of clicks that go directly to a new client page or a returning client portal. When you think about marketing spend across like the different platforms, and you mentioned a handful of them earlier, it seems to be like Facebook and Google and maybe throw Instagram in there are the main ones. Is there merit for others? So my answer to that is yes, to all the platforms. If you have the budget, spend it on all platforms because that's where your clients are. That's where the pet parents are. If you think about the demographics and what the demographics are looking at, the millennial generation are the fastest growing pet parent generation. So where do millennials hang out? They hang out on Facebook. The elder millennials hang out on Facebook, but the young ones hang out on Instagram. They hang out on TikTok. They hang out on Snapchat and any other newer platform. That's where they hang out. So your advertising should be content creative, congruent with those platforms. 
And then to reach the wider base, YouTube advertising. For some reason, that is a missing gem. That YouTube advertising is great for just general advertising as well, but it's also great for SEO because it is a Google product and it works great on your website. So that's another place for videos and advertising. If you have the budget, all platforms are great. If you don't have the budget and you want to choose two or three, YouTube, Facebook, Google PPC. I think the YouTube comment is good. You can be very specific with the ads that are run at the beginning of those videos. And I mean, what YouTube is what the second biggest search engine outside of Google? I mean, it's huge. Yes, the second biggest search engine. And another thing, because it's so underused, the advertising is cheaper per click. So you can get a better ROI using YouTube and YouTube advertising than you can with Facebook and Google PPC at this particular point. Yeah. Again, my non-marketing background is always that Google, the pay-per-click is going to be the highest cost, but like it can be really good. It can be an easy way to light a lot of money on fire if you don't know what you're doing, right? But if you do it and do it right, it can be beneficial depending on the industries. So there's certain industries that are so competitive, it's really tough, but... And we can go on that to a little bit as well, just to explain like why that's the case. Because all advertising platforms are basically auctions. The more money you have to spend on a particular high frequency keyword. And by keyword, we're talking about, let's say, vets near me. Vets near me is a great local keyword. But if everyone in your area is saying vets near me and bidding on that keyword, that keyword could be $20, $30 per click. But if you're able to afford that with your budget, guess what? You're going to win that bid every time. You're going to win that bid every time. And so that's one reason why you can burn through a budget. But if you do great keyword research, then you understand what other auxiliary keywords are being used within your particular area as well that others may not think about. So we all shoot for the 10,000 clicks per month, 10,000 monthly visitation per month, but those are $20 per listing, right? But what about the five words that are two or 300 visits per month, right? On average, if you win those five, 200 times five is a thousand monthly visits that you might not have gotten. And the great thing about keywords is if your product is shown with that keyword and it's what they're looking for, that particular click may lead to a purchase of your service more than just a normal organic look on a website. Just because they're looking or they're asking for what you're presenting. If they click an ad, and this is me not knowing, so I'm just going to ask it, does that help them with SEO as well? Like if someone is searching for something, your ad comes up and they click it and it's being consistently clicked. Does that help at all? Like with your SEO rankings or anything? It goes into the user experience and it goes into the time that a person is on your page. So Google tracks that, the search engine tracks that, and that lets the Google algorithm know the type of information that you have is great for their users. So if someone clicks on your ad and they only stay on for four seconds and they leave, that's not really going to help you. But if they click on an ad, they stay on your page for a minute, minute and a half, and they go to other pages within your website, that shows that the content that you have is relevant to that particular user, which at the end of the day builds into the algorithm to show that your website is good within this particular keyword, just because people stay on your site longer and they read your information more and they travel your site in a logical way. So that builds into the user experience of how you built out your site and the content that you have and the relevancy of that content. Got it. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about mindset and marketing, why it's important. I liked the quote that you gave me before around kind of the owner operator. It's tough to distinguish between the two, but let's talk a little bit about how a veterinarian should think about the mindset and marketing. 
the easiest way I think to break that down is to is just think about the veterinarian as a pet parent, because more than likely veterinarians have pets of their own, at least a dog, a cat, an exotic. They have a pet of their own or have had a pet of their own. If they think about it as what I want to see in my marketing to get me to get that service and get that product, 80 percent of the journey of marketing is done because I can guarantee you a vet does not want to read Ph.D. level technical paper on hay fever. They want to read, okay, how does this product help me? Or what is the benefit of this product? Not necessarily the features of the product, right? And then I also have to think of the average reading level of the readers, just in general. In general, the average reading level is at a eighth grade level. So the technical terminology that they use to speak at conferences and speak to other vets and that they've learned in school is actually irrelevant when it comes to marketing. So they have to break that down to just come and talk. If they can do that, then automatically their content gets more relatable. And that's what it's about being relatable. The vet side, the DMV side is not as relatable to the pet parent side of the vet. The pet parent side is relatable to the demographics that they want to sell to. And then thinking through maybe a a topic that we haven't touched on yet that you think is really important, kind of open mic, anything that you're like, this needs to be discussed because it's important to think about when you review marketing or thinking about marketing. So the thing that I see the most is a lack of just the basic analytics incorporated the right way. So if I talk to a practice and I know before I go in, just because I have the software and to just check on the cookies and the tags that they would need. But there's a lack of awareness that they need analytics, even if they're not planning on advertising, because that tells the story of what's working with your marketing. Because I see it as two things. You have analytics marketing, then you have content marketing. The analytics shows what's work. The content is what you put out. So if you don't have great analytics to say what's working or not, you can't really do a scientifically sound A-B test on your content to show what works or not. At that point, you're guessing. And if you're marketing and you're guessing, you're losing money. That's a guarantee. That's as, as biblical as breathing. Okay. Like that's as normalized breathing. If you're guessing with your marketing, you're losing money. So not having analytics set up the right way or not having them set up, period, and tracking those analytics leads to your content not being where it should be. And what's the suggestion for someone that wants to set up analytics? If they were going to do it themselves and set it up correctly, is there any tips, any suggestions, pitfalls to avoid? So one of the pitfalls to avoid is to just set it and don't look at it again. That's the main pitfall. Okay. So I set up the Facebook pixel or I set up the Google analytics. Okay. Now I have it set up. Okay. I'm just going to leave it alone. Check those at the very least weekly. And if you don't understand it, have someone to come in that understands it and explain it to you weekly, not set it up right within your website. You want it to be set up in your header on every page that you want to track. And then with Facebook pixel, you can also, and analytics as well. You can set attributions to what you want to track. Like if you have certain buttons that you want to track tracking those particular outcomes that you want to test. And, you know, if you go to a Facebook business matter, which is business.facebook.com and go to ad account and then you go into tracking the pixels, it'll teach you where to go and how to do that. Like it's not as hard as it sounds. They'll teach you how to go from not knowing anything to send it up on your website. Right. And if you use WordPress, then it's even easier because there's a widget for that. Same with Google Analytics as well. Perfect. For those that listen, know that I always kind of let the guests ask any sort of question 
they want of me. And I know that we've talked on your podcast. So you've got to ask me a lot of questions, but anything else that you'd want to ask or a topic you want to dive into when it comes to either marketing or just random? Sometimes the random questions are the fun ones and we go off on some Ooh. tangent. So, so anything you a, want. Okay. So I have a good random question for you. Yeah. And I thought about this yesterday, actually, and I have a feeling on where I would take it, but I want to see where you take it. In your industry, have you noticed an increase in the larger roll-up companies buying more of the local vet practices and clinics? Yeah. Yes, is the answer. Okay. So what does that tell your financial intuition about the vet industry moving forward the next year to three years? It tells me that there is a tremendous amount of growth because private equity is not stupid. They are not going to take the money that they're taking. And if people look at, and I've talked about this, so the multiples, right? So what they pay for the revenues of a business, those multiples are going up and up and up and up. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's some interesting things like from a macro perspective and finance of why debt and money is so cheap and why these big institutions can borrow at rates that you or I can never get to. But that's a whole side conversation. Veterinarians are going to see a lot more pressure to step up kind of either from a individual standpoint of their private practice or as a young veterinarian, they're going to have a kind of a choice of, all right, I'm going to do a startup because they're not going to be able to afford the well-run practices. Okay. And I asked that question because Again, I was talking to another veterinarian and they were thinking about selling their practice. And I'm hearing it so much that, again, that tells me that, okay, if there's growth that the private equity companies are looking to gain, then why not the private practices invest into their own business if they're not looking to sell, but feel that pressure, invest in their own clinics and grow those clinics themselves? Because like you said, the private equity companies, they're not stupid. If they're buying then they know that they can get a growth that's equal and beyond their multiple that they're buying it for. Totally. Yeah, I know. I can't say the name, but yeah, their total, like after Dr. Comp, after paying everything out, I mean, they're trying to get 20% per practice that they're buying, like back in their pocket, which is fantastic returns for them because they're also then able to only put in a certain amount, call it 30 or 40% of their own money. And then when you borrow that debt, their returns are so much higher. So like, there's all these things that go on, but I totally agree. Yes, if you're at the end of the road and you're ready to retire, it is a fantastic time to sell a clinic right now, especially if it's well-run. If it has some issues, that introduces some other things that are talked about. But yeah, well-run, multiple doctor doing one and a half million plus. Yeah, you are going to get all kinds of people knocking at your door. You probably already are if you're listening. So you know that. But yeah, if you're mid-40s, late-30s, and you have a really successful practice, sure, you could sell it. You can make a lot of money, but you could also reinvest in it. And see a lot of growth there too, because this is not going away. Because I think you even hit on it, and I've talked about it. Millennials are not going to stop owning pets all of a sudden. Gen Z is going to come up. They're still pro pets. They grew up a lot of times with parents that had pets in the house. Like they're going to have pets. Pets are becoming a bigger part of the fabric of families. Like that's not going away. That's a mega trend, right? Well, those pets need care, so there needs to be veterinarians to serve that. You can make it complex, but you can look at that and say, yes, this is something that's good. So the opportunity is there. The opportunity is there. So for those that are listening, again, I appreciate the transparency and just sharing a lot of where you see things, how you do things, how to think through it. Where would you send people that want to connect? Plug your podcast, please, and kind of what that looks like. But how do people learn more and connect with you, Brand? All right. So if someone just wants to listen to more content, you can find the Practice Heights podcast on wherever their podcasts are. So Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify. 
And if you just want to go to the site, it's vetandpet.seo.com slash practice dash heist dash podcast. And I had to give you all the episodes on the site that it's on. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at vet and pet SEO on Instagram, vet and pet SEO on Facebook as well. And the practice heist podcast on Instagram, the practice heist podcast on Facebook. I just started a Facebook group called the veterinary marketing group. There's six people there now because I literally just started it, but Going forward, there's going to be free documents, checklists to help your business marketing grow. We have training there as well, just to go through some of the nuances of marketing as well. And I will have guests on there as well, because I plan on doing some lives with special guests. And hopefully once we get started, you know, Isaiah, you come on on the finance side, wink, wink. Yeah, I'm happy to be there. And no, I think groups like that are great. Obviously, I have a group with this podcast and it's interesting. Yeah, it takes time to grow it and it's just another thing to do. And I know veterans listening are like, oh, I don't need more stuff to do. But the same way that you and I, I mean, the way that we market, the way that we are doing stuff is on top of the normal day-to-day things that we do. Like we're doing the same thing. So there are returns there, but yeah, definitely check out the podcast, join the group because if there's free resources, that's great. You're gonna learn stuff. And I think that leading with education, Brandon, you talked about, hey, veterinarians lead with education. You're doing the exact same thing. So I love that. So thank you. Yeah. And also, you know, not a shameless plug, but if you want Vet and Pet SEO to run your marketing for you, just go to vetandpetseo.com, fill out a contact form, and someone will get to you within 12 hours at the latest. Perfect. Who doesn't like quality service and speedy replies? I think that's huge and it should be table stakes, but not always the case. And I've heard that from people when I talk to them too. Like you reach out, I fill out all these documents, I give them my stuff and I never hear from them. So yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for joining. And until next time, talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.